Right. Well, hey guys, it's good to see you again. I was just down there and now I'm up here. It's weird like that and I don't have much time, you know, I mean that, uh, that bumper is not the longest bumper and so you got to get some things done. How's everybody doing today? We doing good? You know, the more important question is this, how many people love Jesus today? Come on. I'll tell you what, man, if you're a guest here with us and uh, you're exploring who God is, you're just going to find that we're a church that loves Jesus. Uh, we love Jesus and we're all about him and we just want to figure out what it looks like to live our life more like him. So my name's Jeff. I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at all of our campuses. Ogallala, North Platte, our online campus here at the Kearney campus. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your schedule to come and worship the Lord with us here at New Life. I know wherever you live, wherever uh, you're a part, whatever campus you're a part of, you could have gone to any church, but you walked through the doors of New Life today. And I hope to leave you better than I found you. Hey, we're uh, wrapping up a current te teaching series. So if this is your first time with us, you're going to feel like, wow, I'm at the end of something. But the beauty is that if you go to mynewlifechurch.com, then you can actually click on the on-demand section and you can go back and you can watch all of these sermons as well. In fact, I had a couple last week that sent me a text message later on on Sunday afternoon. They were like, Pastor, we loved last week's message so much that we missed the week before. So we went back and we watched that this evening as well. And so that's the kind of uh, practicality that you can, you can help just kind of feed your own spiritual journey with. But since we're at the end of this thing, let me just kind of recap it for you. All right, we've been talking about what it means to know God and that God has these certain qualities that you have to know. They're like the anchors of God or the cornerstones of God, and there's four of them. And these four all work together to make up the very character and the nature of God. Well, week number one, we kicked it off by talking about an all-knowing God, all right, that God knows all. And it's kind of mind-blowing to think that, you know, God is all-knowing. But then the next week we went to God is all-present. He's everywhere at all time. And that's where you discovered that, yeah, God was standing right there next to you when you sinned. But he still loves you, right? And that kind of freaks some of you guys out. But you came back for week three. And week three was talking about how God is all-powerful. And for some of you, you were kind of like, yeah, I kind of already knew that one. Today, though, today is like the glue, Today is the, is the component of God that holds it all together. And without this element of God, without this like aspect of God, the, the whole thing about God just kind of evaporates, it blows up, it just disintegrates, it's all gone. We're talking today about an all-good God. Or maybe the word that maybe you might want to like, anchor in your heart is an all-good God. That means that he is omnibenevolent. He's omnibenevolent. He is all good all the time. And I would just say this, that the goodness of God is like the centerpiece of knowing and trusting God. The goodness of God. It's the centerpiece. It's what holds it all together. It's kind of like the sun that holds the solar system together. 
right? So you got the sun. The sun's there, and, and it does a few things, right? What does it do? It, it allows the planets to rotate around it because the sun isn't just giving off light. The sun also has this intense gravity to it, the most intense gravity in all of our known solar system. And so the sun is holding those planets, but the sun is also doing this. It's allowing the planets to rotate around it in, in, in their orbit, right? And the sun is the one holding it all together. Well, what if the sun only gave off light, but the sun didn't also have the component of the most intense gravity? What would happen to our solar system? It would be chaos, right? It would be, it would be the worst day Ever. If the sun decides one day, look, I'm not going to hold this solar system and be the centerpiece of the solar system, I guarantee you the next thing that happens is our planet eventually runs into something else, everything blows up, it goes into complete chaos. Well, the goodness of God is like the centerpiece of his creation. It's the centerpiece of who he is. He is holding everything together with his goodness. But for God to be good all the time, means that God can't just be good some of the time. God's either all good all the time or he's not. So an all good God can't be good just some of the times, like humans are. Humans are good some of the time, right? How many of you guys would admit that, like I'm good some of the time? All right, how many of you guys think you're good all the time? Okay, all right. All right, let's talk to those people. Humans are not good all the time. We are good, watch this, okay, this is deep and profound. We are good until we aren't. It's the way life is. Like, you're good, everything's going, you're, you're kind, you're nice, and then all of a sudden you blow up because you walked into your favorite coffee shop and they didn't have what you were looking for. Right? But the goodness of God, goodness of God, guys, is radically different. For God to be all good means that he is perfectly good. He's perfectly good. That his goodness is perfect. There, there isn't any like warping of the motive of God's goodness. And he's good all the time. That the goodness of God is really kind of like eternity. It never ends. There's no end to it. There's no limit to the goodness of God. I mean, think about it for a moment. Like the goodness of God has no limit. Like eternity, like you, can't ever, you can't ever get to the bottom of it. That means you can't extinguish the goodness of God. You can't put it out. You can't put it out. I know, like you're like, you don't know my life, Jeff. Like I got a rap sheet of sin. It doesn't matter how long the rap sheet of sin is, the goodness of God can't be extinguished by your rap sheet. And that's good news, all right? Come on, just turn to somebody and tell them that's good news, all right? Because that is good news. But the goodness of God can't be exhausted either. There's no limit to exhausting the goodness of God. So you can't wear it out. That's good news. The goodness of God as well can't be corrupted. Your goodness gets corrupted, not God's. God's goodness is never corrupted, and that means a massive benefit for you. So because we've already looked at the fact that God is all-knowing, okay, and he's all-present, and he's all-powerful, well, what if God was those three things without goodness, you ever thought about that? Because I mean, I think, I think as we've gone through this series, you've kind of enjoyed the fact that God is all-knowing and that God is all-present and God is all-powerful. In fact, that's probably brought some security to your life. But let me just say this to you. If God isn't all-good, then what happens to this all-knowledge of God? What happens with it if he's not all-good? What happens if his knowledge is, is corrupted and it gets used against you? What happens if his presence gets corrupted and it gets used against you? 
What happens if his power got corrupted and it got used against you? Like, that would be a bad day. It's the goodness of God that becomes the centerpiece that allows for the knowledge of God to work on your behalf all the time and the presence of God to be beneficial to you and the power of God to be at working with wonderful, beautiful, good intent for you all the time. So just think about what would it be like to be worshiping a God that wasn't good all the time? That'd be chaos. One day, he's blessing you. The next day, the earth is spinning out of control. I mean, literally. <laughs> right? Because he kind of like, went, take that, people. And you're just hanging on to a tree, trying to stay on the planet, you know? Like, that, that's what it would kind of be like. I mean, I, I'm not, not to make fun of it, but if that were the case, then basically what we're saying is that we'd be worshiping a bipolar God. And I know people suffer with that, so I'm not here to make fun of that, but I just want you to think about it. Like if God isn't good all the time, that God becomes this bipolar kind of a God where one moment he has good intent for you and the next moment it's bad intent for you. Right? One moment God is loving you really good and the next moment he's wreaking, you know, like wrath upon you really, really bad. Dystheism is the definition for it. You maybe never heard of that word before. But this theism says this, that they believe that, you know, God is not wholly good, that he's maybe possibly evil. That's the definition of the word. And there's a group of people that actually believe that, you know, all gods and the God that we worship, the one true living God who created all things, you know, king of kings, lord of lords, that he is a dystheism God, that he is whole, he's not wholly good, that he actually has some bad in him. And there's people that are listening to my voice right now. That as I've been talking about this good God, you've been trying to think about that in your mind. You're like, yeah, but what about these things? Yeah, but what, what about this that happened in my life? And that attitude is this dystheism attitude that, you know, God can be good, but then God can also be bad. And we're, we're inundated with this mentality. Although you've never heard of the word, you're inundated with this attitude from our media, uh, from TV shows, right, from, the, from public opinion, what happens when a tornado sweeps through the middle of Nebraska? What does it get called? An act of God. Well, that's not very encouraging. What happens when the, earth, what happens when the earthquake destroys things? And what happens when the hurricane, you know, wipes out whole communities? It's an act of God. And people drift to this dystheism attitude that God is not wholly good and that there is bad in him. And let me just show you like an example of how we're being inundated with this, this attitude and this behavior. How many of you guys are like uh, Star Trek fans? Any Star Trek-y people in here? Come on, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. All right, come on, hold your hand up. Just hold it up for a little while longer just to make it awkward. Okay, all right. Right, so Star Trek. So I want you to think about Star Trek for a second because at Star Trek has a strong focus on dystheism, actually. I mean, here they are. James Kirk, if you're of my age... Okay, as a kid growing up watching the original, right? Any original people in here? All right, all right. Any people that hate the original but you love the new? Okay, it's fine. It's all right. It's all right, but you can't have the new without the original, just letting you know. So although the original might be lame and the doors didn't always close the way they were supposed to, right, on the spaceship, and they were kind of goofy like cardboard, but nevertheless, these guys traveling around the universe, right, finding new life, Guess what they find when they show up to these new planets? Come on, remember back to your sci-fi shows. 
Right? They show up there and there's, there's something, some entity that is wreaking havoc upon the people. And James Kirk and the crew, or whatever Star Trek you watch, is going to save the day. Because they got this dystheism God who is sometimes good to them, sometimes benevolent to them, and other times he is horrific to them. And so he shows up and he's going to save the day. Star Trek is laced with it. Even, even a, like a critical main character of Star Trek The Next Generation, which I'm not going to get too geeky. I geeked out on Guardians of the Galaxy last week. I'm not going to geek out on this, okay? Just trust me on this one, all right? So Worf, the security officer on Star Trek The Next Generation. This guy's a Klingon. Have anybody ever seen this dude before? All right, you've seen him? Okay, some of you guys, I'm not going to admit anything else. That's what you're at right now. Not raising my hand for nothing else. Uh, all right, so yeah, you know, many of you guys have seen this character. He's a Klingon. This is crazy, all right? And although it's not true, this is what he said his people, this is what his people, he said, look, our, our people, they, they killed our gods a long time ago, they said, because they were more trouble than what they were worth. I think there's people that think that way about God. Like, life would be a lot easier if this wasn't a God, because sometimes he does good things, and sometimes he does bad things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live on the Klingon world, where they killed their gods because their gods were, you know, just more than what they were worth. They were just too much trouble for what they were worth. Some people think that, that that's who God is. But I got, I got great news for you guys. God is not this dystheism God. He is not good sometimes and bad other times. The good news is that our God, who created everything... The one true living God is, the, is good all the time, and all the time God is good. You ever heard that statement before? It's a little old school. A little old school statement that God is good and all the time. Now, if you've never heard that statement before, you're like, wow, that kind of rhymes. That kind of goes together. It's been around the church for a long time. All right? It used to, just to be a fun little statement that we used to say. But I'm here to tell you today that that statement is actually true. Let's try it one more time. This time, you do your part a lot louder, okay? So, uh, God is good. And all the time. Come on, people. Man, that feels good to say. It's not just a feel-good statement. It's an accurate statement. It debunks dystheism. It debunks the attitude that many people have on planet Earth. And some of you listening to me here and at our campuses might have in your heart. Is God truly good all the time? One day Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. He goes, look, why do you guys call me good? Jesus asked them, only God is good. And you might sit there and go, well, yeah, but isn't Jesus fully God? Yeah, he is. But Jesus was trying to make a bigger point. He's going, look, you call man good. Why do you call man good? Man's not good. Only God is good. Referring to his father. And when Jesus says he is the only thing that is good... He was driving home the point that only God is good all the time. <laughs> Jesus is the one who really started the statement. And it's the goodness of God that basically then becomes the special ingredient that makes it all work. Look, my last name is Baker. So I should know something about baking. <laughs> but if you want to make a cake, I'm going to have to look at my notes. you got to have... Flour and eggs and butter and milk. You got to have something in there called baking soda, which doesn't sound yummy. But it's in there nevertheless to make a cake. But I'm missing one ingredient, aren't I? What am I missing? Come on, people. Come on. We, oh, America is addicted to sugar, all right? We're addicted to sugar. 
Let's just admit it right now. All right? Some of you are drinking coffee incorrectly <laughs> right now with sugar in it. Right? We're addicted to it. You take sugar out of the cake mix, what do you get? Come on, somebody that really knows baking, what do you get? Just a dull bread, right? Don't make me that cake. And you don't want to make that cake for yourself either. Sugar becomes the secret ingredient that makes it all amazing. The goodness of God is not secret, but it is the ingredient, guys, that makes it all amazing. A key passage that we've been looking at in this series has been out of Psalms 139. If you got your Bible or you got your YouVersion app or whatever, I, I want to encourage you to go there at all of our campuses. Just open it up, right, and go to Psalms 139. Uh, if you're on the version, I've got the notes on there already for you. But then, guys, I'm just going to tell you, man, this week we're going into a passage of Scripture because uh, we've just been, you know, kind of like just jumping through 139. We're getting ready to go someplace that, you know, I've never preached this passage. And some of you have never read this passage before. Right, because we're we're going beyond the good and feel good of like God knew you in your mother's womb to a very dark place. Psalms one thirty nine nineteen, and it's amazing that we're going to go there talking about the goodness of God. But just watch how this all goes together, okay? I mean, just take a look. This is the theme of the whole little passage, and it's found in the first verse nineteen. It goes, "Oh God," this is his prayer, right? "Oh God, if you would destroy the wicked, right, get out of my life, you murderers." This is encouraging so far, isn't it? It's very life-giving. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, though. He changes right here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I don't know about you, but at first glance, when you read this passage, it's a bit confusing, right? You're like, what in the world? What's going on here, right? But what I want you to see is I want you to see through this passage how God is using this passage to really help you and me grasp and understand and wrap our heart around how God can be all good all the time. First, the psalmist helps us to see that an all good God doesn't seek revenge, And I want you to notice that the psalmist here isn't talking about, God, I wish that you would just kill and destroy my enemies. Like, this is a horrible life here, God. I got these people that are against me, and oh, man, if you would just destroy them, that would be awesome. No, that's not what the psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is talking about, God, I know that you have enemies, and these guys are wicked, and they're evil, and I know you don't like them, and I don't like them, and I just wish that you would destroy them. Kill them. Wipe them off the face of the earth. This is really the human heart speaking right here because our human heart wants something when we feel offended. Guess what we want? Revenge. That's what we want. We want to get back an eye for an eye, right? That kind of thing. Arm for an arm. Head for a head. Whatever it is. Like, we want to get back. You guys remember, like, as parents, I I remember this. Kids were little and... um, you know, one of them comes running up to us like, oh, daddy, daddy, Johnny hit me, right? And you're like, well, Johnny, get in here. Johnny, wh- why'd you hit your sister? Well, she hit me first, <laughs> right? Revenge. It's, it's revenge. This is like ingrained inside of us, even from being little children. But thankfully, guys, our God is radically different. 
And you can see this in this passage where there's this tension between the psalmist knowing that God is all good, but he can't wrap his head around why God wouldn't just take vengeance like he wants to upon these people. And so he's got this tear that's going. That's why you, that's why you see in this passage, if you've got it opened up in your, on your phone, uh, you, you know, why, the, that's why you see in this passage that he keeps asking God questions. He keeps asking God questions. Like, God, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Like, that's right, right, God? Like, that's, that sounds good. Shouldn't I do that? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Like, God, that's right, right? Like, there's this big question mark. Why? Because he's trying to do what we all classically try to do. We try to justify our revenge because intuitively, we know that it's wrong. And intuitively, the psalmist knows that's not the way God thinks. See, I just want you to know today, revenge isn't in God's nature. And the psalmist helps us to see that with the very first words that he spoke in verse 19 when he says, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. If only you would. Like, the whole rampage starts with him going like, I don't think that you'll do this, but if only you would. I'm going to tell you right now, man, woo, life would be a lot better. I just can see myself walking down the streets of the village with all of your enemies smoked. Like, man, that's going to be a good morning. But if only you would. Like, I don't think that you will. Some of us could feel like that psalmist, though. And you're going, I don't feel like that guy. Oh, yeah? What about this? Like, have you ever thought to yourself, man, God, if you just killed those evil, wicked men, that human traffic women and children, man, life would be a lot better. That's what the psalmist is saying. Maybe you thought this before, like, God, if you would just kill all of those terrorists, man, life would be better. Peace on earth. If you've ever gone anywhere near that kind of behavior, that's where the psalmist is. And I just want you to know, I'm glad that our all-good God isn't seeking revenge for every sin that's in our heart. What if an all-good God was seeking revenge for every single sin that was in your heart? Meaning like, yeah, I know that God seek the sin of that terrorist. But if he's going to do that, it means he has to have revenge against your sin. So an all-good God doesn't have revenge in his heart. And guys, I just want you to know something. That's good news. <clears throat> that is really good news. Let me tell you what God is seeking. God's seeking for sinners to repent. So watch what Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says about the goodness of God. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with others? Right? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness or his goodness is intended to do what? What's it intended to do? To turn you from your sins. The goodness of God is at work on planet earth right now to turn people from their sins, even the ones that you want to destroy. Wow. Even the ones that in your back of your mind you wish, like, man, if they were just gone, like, that'd be awesome. If my neighbors just pack up and gone, my neighborhood would be awesome. I'm not talking about my neighbors. We're talking about your neighbors. I got perfect neighbors. I only have actually two neighbors. So, I mean, everything's good. I do want you to know, though, in talking about the goodness of God, that there is a reality. 
And the reality is there is a day of judgment that will come for those who have chosen a life of evil, chosen a life to abandon themselves away from a loving God. But watch, listen to this, even on judgment day, even on judgment day, God will not be seeking revenge. Yeah. And you're like, well, one day, one day that guy is going to get what he deserves when he stands before God. Oh, and he will get what he deserves. But it's not going to be from a revengeful heart that's coming from God. Because God is all good all the time, even when he sits on the judgment seat. Evil people are going to go to hell for eternity. The Bible tells me that. Right? But here's the deal. They're going to be sending themselves there. Not from a revengeful God. God basically, an all good God, is going to give them what they chose. That's the way that's going to go down. Because God is all good all the time. God doesn't seek revenge. The psalmist also helps us to see this in this passage, that an all good God can change your heart. And I think that's good. Because the psalmist was clearly you know, struggling with. The psalmist had a great grasp on the fact that God hated sin. He had a great grasp on that. In fact, he, he knew that God hates sin so much that he was coming to God going, God, like, look, come on, let's just kill these guys. Right? Let's just destroy them. But the psalmist didn't have a clear grasp and understanding of how much God intensely loves sinners. He didn't have that. He knew God hated sin, but he didn't realize that an all-good God still has a heart for the sinner. And this is a dangerous place for any follower of Jesus Christ to be, including us that are in this room today. Because when we only communicate or when we over-communicate, or when we put the emphasis of God in our communication on how God hates sin, it becomes very repulsive to this world. In fact, when we put our emphasis there in our communication, then what happens is that we, we unintentionally, we're building walls between God and people. We're building walls where people, they don't want to pursue a God, right? We're, we're causing people to not want to trust God. And it, we're basically giving people an inaccurate picture of an all-good God. And any one of us can become part of that problem at any given moment, at any given conversation. And it could happen today after this service when you go out for breakfast or lunch or whatever meal you're going to eat today or go out for coffee. You could inadvertently become part of the problem of communicating, over-communicating how God hates sin versus how a good God Still loves sinners, and he wants to lead them in repentance back into relationship with him. And you can be a part of that problem when you're complaining about sinners. I, just, I want you to just think about your last 30 days. Have you been, when was the last time you found yourself just complaining about sinners? Gossiping about them. I, I, man, man, oh, man, life would just be so much better, man. My, my neighbors, they're just whacked. When was the last time you were complaining? When was the last time you found yourself complaining about people who don't live a Christ-centered value? Right? That's, that's, that could be, start becoming part of the problem because your heart is not lived, is, your heart's not being lived out with an all-good God mentality. Your heart's being lived out with a human mentality. Or maybe like this, when you were tearing down or you're mocking those who worship in other religions. When was the last time you found yourself in a conversation where the conversation was revolving around mocking those, tearing them down? Because you're attacking, you're attacking the, the sinner now. That's what you're doing. And God's going, look, I love sinners, and I want to love them into relationship with me. That's what an all-good God does. Or you're talking about 
sinners by their title. You're talking about people by their title of sin. Like, how horrific is this? And I've literally been in circles where I've heard people say, across the lobby or across the room, like, oh, hey, there's the DUI guy. Oh, hey, hey, there, there's, the, there's the homosexual. Oh, man, oh, pff, great. Here comes, here comes the, drug, the drug addict. How many of you would love to live on this earth knowing that people are calling you by the title of your sin? Wow. It doesn't go at New Life, by the way. So don't ever let me catch you. Because it's not going to be a pretty day. Right? Because that's not who we are. We don't, we don't eat our own. We don't attack those who walk through the doors. We don't treat people by their sin. We want to love people like an all-good God loves people. We're not a people who want judgment for the wicked now. That's not who we are. I know you want it. I know it's in their hearts because it's in the hearts of humans. Like the psalmist, he wanted judgment now. But that's not who we are. We are not a people as followers of Jesus Christ, and it's not the culture of our church, that we want judgment for the wicked and the evil now. That's not who we are. Why? Because if that were the case, then they instantly die and they're separated from God forever. You know what an all-good God wants? He wants them to receive conviction. And he wants somewhere between now and the time they take their last breath to repent and turn their hearts over to him. And that's what we want. So maybe, maybe we're more like the psalmist than we actually want to admit. <laughs> maybe we do really want destruction for our enemies. Maybe we really do you know, want to see those who hate God be destroyed. Maybe we're more like him than we actually wanted to think about. But I want you to know that all good God is radically different. And I just want to remind you of God's heart for all of humanity. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. This is what uh, the shepherd, the angels said to the shepherd. He goes, look, I bring, when Jesus was born, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to how many people? All, all people. Even the people you want to destroy right now. Even the people you want to wipe off planet Earth. Even the people you wish would just go move to an island and never show their face again. God was saying through the angel to you and me today, I want you to know that Jesus is great news and he's going to bring joy to all people. That's our God. And if we're going to grasp the goodness of God, then we have to respond like the psalmist did. At least he got to a point where he admitted, God, possibly my ideas and my ways are not your ways. Because remember, the psalmist was basically saying, God, like, Kill evil people. It would make life a lot easier. But he finally got to a point where in his prayer he had to say these words. But search me, O God. Search me, good God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Guys, that's our response today to an all-good God. God, since you are good all the time and you're perfectly good and there's no limit to your goodness, search my heart. Look at me, God. See the things in me that don't line up with your word. And let my heart line up with yours. Because, guys, there's way, there's way too many times when our anger and our frustration and our lack of patience, it blinds us. 
when we want to respond to people with hurtful actions or we want to respond to people with hurtful words or our mind races with thoughts of revenge or we hold unforgiveness against people to try to inflict pain or harm upon them. Why do we do this? Because we're human. We're not good all the time. But that doesn't give us a license to do whatever we want to do. We have to come to God and say, search my heart, God. And let my heart line up with your heart. Let my ways line up with your ways. It's going to stretch you. It's going to be difficult because you're going to want revenge. God's not a God of revenge. And you're going to want it, justice, now. And God is a God of justice in the day to come. You're going to want it. You're going to want to justify your anger. You're going to want to justify your unforgiveness. But an all-good God is going to give you nothing to stand on. What God wants is God wants to change your heart to be a little bit more like his. God wants to lead you and me with his goodness. I mean, lead us. Not just kind of know about it, but lead us. He wants to get out in front of us and show us how to be, how to display his goodness to this world. He wants to overflow your heart so that out of your heart, your mouth would speak of the goodness of God. So that out of your mouth, prayers would come that would be unlike the psalmist. Destroy the wicked. But it would be God, bring the wicked to repentance. That's what God wants to do out of an overflow of your heart. God wants your thoughts towards others to be filtered through his generous goodness today. He wants to change even the way that you think. But guys, the only way this happens is if you come to God and you say, God, search me. Search me. Point out in me the things that don't line up with your word. At all of our campuses today and online, that's your prayer. Search me, God. Search me and find in me the things that are totally whacked out. Search and find in me, God, the thoughts that don't line up with your word. I want my heart to line up with yours. I want my ways to line up with your ways. As I wrap up today, I really I found a scripture that I wanted to speak over you like a prayer. Okay? So if you would, at all campuses right now, if you guys would just stand for a moment as we get ready to go into worship. I want you to draw your attention to the screens. Because this scripture is my prayer. It's my prayer for you today. In accordance with the goodness of God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul says to these, this group of people, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. That's my heart for you. May God, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith promotes you to do. Church, I know inside of your heart, you're here today, you're here at our campuses, you're watching this online. You want to know the all-good God. I know that. I know that about you. I know that you want to live out the qualities of an all-good God. I know that about you. And I, my prayer for you is that you would accomplish all the good things that your faith in Jesus Christ would allow you to accomplish. And that you and me would be people that glorify an all-knowing, an all-present, an all-powerful, but an all-good God. I want you to know him. I want you to find comfort in the fact that an all-good God gave his life on the cross for you, that he died for you, and that he loves you. I want you to take comfort in that. I want you to know today that you have nothing to hide from God. You have nothing 
to be afraid of God for. You, you can come to God with your sin and you can kneel down before him and you can say, all good God. Thank you for being all good towards me all the time. I don't deserve it. But may my heart line up with your heart. Search me. Let me pray for you. Father, as we move into this time of worship, we're coming to you like the psalmist. We know that our hearts, many times, they don't line up with you. And we say many times, God, if only you would. But Lord, today, we want to lay all that aside. We do believe that you're all good all the time. And we want you, God, to saturate our hearts with your spirit. We want in us for your spirit to live and dwell, have its being and have its way. And so that out of our lives, the goodness of God would be on display. The goodness of God would be on display with the words that we share, the actions that we take, our emotions, our will, our prayer. We want the goodness of God that we so thankfully get to stand in the presence of an all-good God. We want, an all, we want your all-goodness to be in us and to shine through us to this dark world. If this world knew truly how good you were, they would come to repentance. So Lord, break the chains of the wicked. Break the chains of those who do evil today. Break the chains of those who inflict harm upon others. Break the chains of your enemies today. That they may come into relationship with you. An all good God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.